Welcome to Excess Returns, where we focus on what works over the long term in the markets. Join us as we talk about the strategies and tactics that can help you become a better long-term investor. Justin Carboneau and Jack Forehand are principals at Validia Capital Management. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Validia Capital. No information on this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Securities discussed in the podcast may be holdings of clients of Validia Capital. In this episode, Jack and I discuss my experiences in preparing for and participating in the March for the Fallen. Many of these experiences from the 28-mile ruck can be tied back to important investing concepts and lessons. I hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, so we're going to change things up this week, and I'm going to interview Justin about a great event he does every year. Um, And we're going to talk about an article Justin wrote about all the preparation that went into that and the lessons he learned from doing it, and also how those lessons apply to investing. Um, but before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about the event itself. So, Justin, could you talk a little bit about the March for the Fallen and what it is and who it supports? So the March for the Fallen is an event to honor fallen military um, soldiers. And basically um, what it is is a bunch of civilian and military people come together um, for a weekend. And it basically culminates with a, a 5K run, a 14-mile march, or 28-mile march. And... At each mile, what what they do is they honor a fallen um, military uh, man or woman who lost their lives serving our country. So it's a really cool event um, that is to honor the the, the the military, the people that serve our country. And, it, and what it also does is it brings together a bunch of people in sort of that have kind of gotten to know each other through financial Twitter. Twitter. It tends to be a lot of quantitative people that come together. Um, and spend the weekend there. And actually, one of uh, our friends and someone we've gotten to know, um, Dr. Wes Gray from Alpha Architect, who's a former Marine um, and served in Iraq, he's sort of like the ringleader on this thing. So he's been doing it for a few years. This was my second year doing it. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a really great event. It's a special event. People get out there and work hard. You spend two nights in these um, army barracks. So it's like Wes says, it's kind of a tribal thing. But, um, you know, the overall point of being there is to honor those men and women who have lost their lives serving our country and uh, to work really hard and sort of push yourself um, while you're thinking about those things. And you did you did the 28 mile version, correct? Yeah. So I did the 28 mile um, rock and I did the heavy, which means that I did it with a weighted backpack and to actually sort of qualify for the heavy division, you have to have at least 35 pounds in your rucksack. So <clears throat> that's what I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's crazy to me. I mean, if you think about a, a 28 mile, just just the walk itself would be difficult for me to do. But you start thinking about putting a 35 pound pack on you. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, pr- I'd probably have trouble getting out of the parking lot with a 35 pound pack. It's definitely um, something you got to. Condi- yeah, you got to condition yourself. And you know, it's funny though. I mean, people do this and. All, you know, people that are really fit are able to do it. And then people that aren't, you wouldn't think might be able to finish, but people make it through. And, you know, there are some people that take 10, 12 hours to do it, but ultimately everyone finishes. And it's just, it's really cool to see. That's actually even more impressive to me is, is the people that, you know, they, it's maybe their first time doing it and they maybe didn't train, but you have to be mentally strong to be out there for like 10 or 12 hours and just grinding it out. Yeah, it's great. They also offer different distances. So, you know, if you want to do a shorter distance, you can. If you don't want to carry the 35-pound pack, you can. There's different ways for everybody to get involved, which is great. 
Um, what what kind of training went into this? I mean, it was I would think to carry a 35 pound pack for 28 miles. I mean, I know uh, people listening might not know, but I know you were a, a star college athlete, so yeah, you're well, somewhat conditioned to do it. But I still expect you had to do a lot of training. To no, do this. yeah, I mean, for me, the way I wanted to do it, which was go out and work really hard, I put in quite a bit of training. So I started training probably. So the march was late September. I started training. Uh, in June or July and you know you kind of start small you just start with like a couple eight to ten mile you know long marches with the weight Um, and you know I kind of backed into it so it was like I think the first maybe month was you know maybe two eight to ten mile marches and then as you get closer you know you're going longer and longer you're really trying to build up and get out there and ultimately get to a you know a 20 mile for me, I wanted to get to a 20-mile ruck. I kind of told myself, if I can go out and do that, then I know I can probably get to 28 miles. Um, and, you know, when I was on vacation up at the Cape with my with my family, I, you know, was training up there. So I just kind of integrated it in. But it's something that I wanted to train for because I wanted to go out and really work really hard um, on it. And so did you start with the pack from day one? Did you yes. train without it for a little bit or you started with it from day one? No, I started with the pack from day one, yeah. And what was the, what kind of terrain is this march? Um, you know, I think it's, it's pretty hilly, isn't it? This is, you know, it was funny. The first year we did it, Wes was like, you know, this is a pretty flat course. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is flat. I didn't, hadn't really looked at the terrain. But this is like the first, so the first six miles are kind of flat, slight uphill. From mile six to 15, basically, you're going up like a side of a mountain. I mean, it's crazy. It's uh, super, super tough terrain. And it's actually, I think, some of the tracks on the mountain are for um, for tanks. So it's like oh, wow. pretty like loose rock and stuff. So it's not like, you know, you're just on some dirt road. Some of it's, you know, little mini like boulders that you're you're sort of marching or, or running on. Um, and so it's a pretty it's a pretty crazy course. How much of it do you think is in, in terms of getting through it um, and especially um you know, this obviously is not about winning, but you did win the whole thing um, in the heavy division. How yeah. much of it do you think is, is physical, being in shape, and how much of it do you think is mental, fighting through, you know, the obstacles you get along the way? I don't know. It's, I guess it's probably 50-50. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do it as fast if I, as I did if I didn't train for that type of pace. But I would say that, you know, many times throughout the course I wanted to stop. And that is true of anyone that sort of competes, you know, in race. This isn't a race, but anyone that wants to, like, compete and push their body, you know, you're really not working to your full um, capacity, you know, until you hit that point in your mind where you say, you know, I really would like to stop here. But what makes people that are good at those things good is that they they just kind of push through, you know, and they're mentally strong. Um, And so... I think it's really a mix of both. Um, yeah, you know, that, that kind of gets into where we're going next, which is the investing lessons that came from that, because yep. you, know, you, you, you talked about in, in your lessons, you talked about failure points and things like that. So let, let's go through those. Um, okay. The first, the first lesson you had was that training and preparation helps uncover hidden risks. Yeah. What did so, you mean by that? Yeah. So what I was trying to get at there was throughout my training, you know, when I was out on these long marches, you start to realize things that could go wrong. So for example, you know, you start to get a blister or you start to get chafing or you start to get like a hot spot on your foot or your back starts to hurt where your traps are because of the packs not maybe adjusted correctly. Each and every one of those things could really do 
a little problem like that can wreck havoc on a long march. You know, not, not only physically, but mentally, it can kind of throw you off your game. And so what the training did is it helped me uncover if I saw one of those things materializing, I could kind of adjust or I was conditioned to sort of work my way through it. And, you know, what I tried to do is relate that to investing, which is what my article was trying to do with this sort of my experience with the march and related to some investing concepts was, you know, investors are also uh, presented with failure points all along the way um, when they invest. I mean, and particularly with like with active strategies, you know, when a, a, a investor follows a highly active strategy, the strategy itself can underperform. Uh, the market, that's one failure point. Um, and like James O'Shaughnessy has also talked about, you know, and as you can go through a bear market and that could be another fa failure point. So an investor that makes the wrong decision and isn't conditioned to deal with those failure points can hurt their performance quite a bit. And so I was trying to relate those two things together. Yeah. And I think the discussion about identifying your failure points in advance is really important because, and, and it really relates to investing because, you know, we talk to many clients and, you know, they'll all say for the most part, you know, if 2008 comes, no problem. You know, I, I, I see that, you know, after previous bear markets, the market's gone mm -hmm. right back up, you know, I'll stay the course, you know, I understand what I'm getting into. And then you actually get into it and, you know, everybody says the world's ending in 2008 and suddenly all that sort of goes out the window and, you know, some people can stay the course, but others can't. And, mm -hmm. you know, trying to identify that in advance is very hard, just like I'm sure, you know, trying to identify what you're going to do at mile 22 right. when you're falling apart, you know, is very hard. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll keep going at mile 22 when I fall apart. But actually doing it is a totally different thing. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, you're exactly right. All right. So your, your next point was good start sets the tone, but it's a long game. Can yeah. So yeah, all I meant with that is, you know, and I think with any of these long races, you want to start out strong. You don't want to start out too strong. I mean, for me, I was fortunate enough to go out with some really cool guys that I've gotten to know um, that are part of this FinTwit and investor community. You know, the, that was just the start. And, you, you know, it, the real test came when, you know, at mile 20, at mile 22, at mile 24, like you said. And so you have to kind of separate those those two things a little bit. And what I was trying to relate to with investing is I do think that, as an investor, your beginning investing experiences can influence you a lot. So for example, if you go back to the financial crisis, investors that were just starting to invest during that time, you know, they may have really gotten a bad taste in their mouth because of the losses in the market and how painful and how scary it was. But, you know, we know that investors have, a t you know, hope, hopefully investors have, you know, a very long time horizon, whether it be 10, 20 or 30 years. And so you can't let those early experiences influence you too much. Hopefully you get a good start as an investor, but if you don't, you just got to stay disciplined and stay focused on the long term. Yeah. And sometimes when you do get a good start, you can think you're invincible a little bit. You know, this, this relates a little back to when we started, um, when we started running models was 2003 and you know, two, two things happened in 2003, the market went up a lot and the types of stocks we purchase outperform the market by a lot. And so you tend to think, all right, I'm invincible here. You know, this is, right. this is great. I'm, you know, my, my models can't be beat. You know, I'm going to outperform the market all the time. The market's going to go up all the time. Everything's going to be great. And then you're hit with adversity. So, you know, it works both ways. You know, you can be really affected by something at the beginning that's bad, and you can be really affected by something at the beginning that's good as well. Yep, 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 for sure. All right, your next point was uh, you, you talked about the importance of staying consistent. Yeah, so on this, um, one of the things I hadn't mentioned yet with the march is I use trekking poles. And so I trained with 
the trekking poles, um, which are those are the poles that people use, like kind of to do mountains. They're almost like ski poles, I guess. And so, you know, for a long march, it helps take some pressure um, off your legs and kind of support you a little bit more. So I use those throughout the whole entire march from my first step to the last one. I just stayed on the trekking poles. And I think that consistency sort of helped me accomplish what I did. I also tried every single part of the march. I could be at a like running or jogging pace. I pretty much was um, unless I had to walk up a, like a super steep hill or something like that. So I think that consistent. So, and people were asking me like, what, you know, how did you do it? How did how'd you finish so quickly? And so I think that consistency of those two things helped me a lot. And in terms of relating that to investing, what I tried to just do is say, okay, like, you know, dollar cost averaging, consistently doing that um, is an important component to long-term investing. Um, if you're that type of investor, you know, um, I don't know what else did I have? What other examples did I have in there? Uh, dollar cost averaging. Yeah. I mean, I think anything you can do to, you know, to set, set a plan in place in advance and in investing and to stay consistent on that plan is really good. Right. You know, because you, that, that effectively takes your emotions out of the equation, you know, as much as you can. Now that's, that's much easier said than done, but you know, that was a great point because anything yeah. you can do to set that consistency up front and then the follow through with it, you know, is, is going to benefit you. Right. And I think I was re relating that to our models a little bit too. You know, the way that we run these active stock selection models, we do it with consistency, repeatability, um, and with a long-term focus because, you know, we're running sort of these quantitative models. So I think that that consistency is embedded in the way that we go about running and building portfolios that we believe work best over time. And then the last one I want to ask you about is, uh, we, we talked about this earlier, but I wanted to ask you about the hills because you talked about how the hills may, might have been a lot worse than you thought they were going to be yeah. going in. So how, how does the experience you went through on the hills relate to running an investing portfolio over time? I mean, it's pretty, on that, it's just, you know, and by the way, the elevation map is in the article if anyone's interested in looking at the different elevation peaks of this course. But um, I mean, the hills are just, the hills are there. Some of the hills are really steep. All the hills eventually end. And so what I was trying to relate to with investing is, you know, both bull and bear markets um, eventually end. I mean, we're in a really great bull market here. It's been a really strong market for a long period of time. Eventually, there'll be a bear market, but eventually that bear market will end. And so it's just understanding that investing isn't some, you know, stock market investing, at least, isn't some smooth ride that, you know, you just sit there and you'll compound it away. I mean, there's peaks and there's valleys, there's hills, there's hard points. Um, and, you know, thinking about that and relating it to, you know, what I went through out on the course, I think is certainly relevant for investors. Yeah. And that's a really important to remember point to remember right now where we're going through a period where the market seems to go up every day, where volatility is down. You know, it's important to understand the hills are going to come at some point. Um, I think that's a great point to end on. Um, we'll put Justin's article in the show notes. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much. You can learn more about March for the Fallen at gapmwr.com slash march dash for dash the dash fallen. Thank you. Hi, guys. This is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at practicalquant. Follow me on Twitter at, at JJ Carboneau. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube, or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.